Welcome to Get in the Herd, a podcast about addiction and recovery brought to you by the McShin Foundation. If you or a loved one are looking for real discussions about addiction, recovery, stigma, advocacy, and most importantly, hope, then stick around. Thanks for joining us. Now sit back and get ready for another great episode of Get in the Herd. Hey folks, John Shenholzer here in Richmond, Virginia, live from the McShen Foundation. We have a uh, pretty cool show lined up today. Uh, we got a special guest today, my friend Carol from uh, West Virginia. And uh, we ha- we're having some major technical difficulties, but we're going to try to limp through the show and see what we got. But today we're going to talk about rogue treatment centers and uh what do you call those guys headhunters or whatever body brokering or or whatever it's known as but carol you want to introduce yourself real quick sure hi john this is carol terwilliger from alliance roar and a little background on maybe how you got into this uh space sure sure uh, my kids talked me into getting a, uh, a laptop uh, device, and so then they suggested I have a Facebook page, so they made me a Facebook, and I'm looking through the news feed one day, and I come across a group, and it's a recovery group, and uh, I was like, wow, that's amazing. You know, they got recovery online. I had no idea, and so I reached out to the guy that owned the page, and before I knew it, I was an admin on this page. I didn't have any clue what an admin was at that point. And um, so I was, you know, really excited about this. And I I thought, well, this guy's got to have some amazing recovery if he's got an actual page about recovery. That was my naive thinking at the time. And uh, soon I began to see some things that he was doing where he was scamming people. Uh, I got some information where he was body brokering. And uh, through that, Someone went up to me and plugged me in with um, Ted Paddock, the assistant state attorney uh, with the West Palm Beach Sober Home Task Force, as well as William Stewart with the FBI and the task force. And um, so that's really where it all began. And a lot of people think that I had a bad experience with a broker or in the industry, and that's not the case at all. Uh, I didn't go looking for this. I, I believe I was led to do this. And um, I just, I was, I was blown away to see what was going on with people who were in recovery and doing a page. And so that's how it's. So how, how would you define a, a rogue treatment center? What, what qualifies a treatment center for being a rogue treatment center? Yeah, well, legally speaking is the insurance fraud that they're doing behind the scenes. And, it, you know, they're frauding in labs, um, the insurance companies, uh, the whole Florida shuffle, Dave Ehrenberg, the um, state's attorney with the Palm Beach Task Force, will, will tell you that that shuffle is not just in Florida anymore. It's everywhere. It's across the whole country. And it gets complicated in terms of what they do. And there's sort of gradations of it, if you will. Um, the shuffle involves brokering a client and by brokering that is if you give them any enticement anything to encourage them to go to that treatment center which could be a plane ticket it could be a pack of cigarettes and so they they fly them down to florida to the treatment center and now it could be california or arizona or anywhere in the country and they go to the treatment center and they run their insurance for as long as they can they're they're looking for ppos is what they're the marketers are doing because that's where the money is and so they run it their insurance for as long as they can it might be 30 days it might be longer and then when they leave treatment and go to a sober home that sober home may have a manager that is either supplying drugs to the clients there or they're being paid and as the task force says it's a business of relapse not of recovery and um so then 
you know, they relapse, so then they can go back and on their insurance, you know, thanks to parity and, and uh, Obama. And then they run their insurance again. But what can happen is if someone's been in treatment for 30 days or longer and they come out and go to a sober home, have the opportunity to get high because it's either being supplied to them or they're given the money where they can buy the drugs, they'll overdose because they'll take a hit that's the same amount they're using before they went into treatment. And so that's where the overdoses come in and people's children and family members are coming home in body bags. You know, that was, first of all, I got uh, Michael wanting to hear about some people in particular, but Michael, we're not going to really talk about people on this episode. The, but back to what makes it a rogue, earlier you were talking about how you had an experience in the treatment center where the psychiatrist only saw you for a couple minutes, they diagnosed you and wanted to give you medication. And, and I thought you were pretty smart in thinking, well, whoa, they only know me two minutes, and here they want to medicate me. And, uh, I mean, and you said that in part is where the roguness comes in. Yes. I'll tell you another part of that story, John, that I didn't touch with you, and that is this. When I went in there, I was taking an antidepressant, and I've been taking it for 20 years. And... He took me off that antidepressant, cold turkey. And I know you don't do that with an antidepressant, but I thought, well, I'm getting cleaned out from everything else. Fine, take it away, right? And he had to do that because he had these other medications in mind that are very costly. So after I got out of detox and I was home for just about three months, I got hit with a depression like nobody's business. I'd never, ever had a depression hit me like that. It was like a train coming in full speed ahead out of the dark. And I became suicidal. I mean, seriously suicidal. I had a, a plan. I'm researching and Googling where's the best place to put the gun to my head. And by the grace of God, I had the wherewithal to go up to the local clinic. <coughs> and, you, and, you, and you're on medication? Yes, sir. What'd they put you yeah. on? Uh, I'm, I'm on Paxil at this point, but I'm on a lot of us for other health problems I have. But, but in, Mostly heart. Yeah, but in rehab, did they put you on meds? The only thing that I allowed them to do was to put me on 25 milligrams of Seroquel. And I figure, well, why not? You know, I'm not sleeping very good, so it'll probably help me sleep. But most of the other clients were walking around on 200, 250 milligrams of Seroquel, and they kept wanting to up it. <coughs> Excuse yeah. me, John. They kept wanting to up it, and I didn't want them to. So then they started playing the game with me that I was being uncooperative and non-compliant. So I seem to placate him enough with taking the 25. And uh, once I was discharged, although they gave me a script, I stopped taking right. it. Do you, do you know how many treatment centers there are in, in America, in the United States? I'm thinking 15,000 plus. That's a good number, 15,000. Out of 15,000 treatment centers, how many do you think are really good doing it right? There's no question about their... Their, their moral, their values, and their character. Well, my answer is going to be a little biased. <coughs> I'm sorry, I've got a tickle in my throat. I'm going to be a little biased because my nose is buried into the dirty stuff. I really don't know how to answer that question, honestly. But I will say this, that the longer I've been doing this, and the deeper I've been digging into it, you know, it's been quite an education for me over the last four years, um, is that I describe it like it's a, the, the rogue industry is like a dark web that's covering the whole United States. And then there's what are called hubs. And that's where there's a group of treatment centers who work together. 
Um, I posted a real good article on my website. I sent it to you as well about the uh, U.S. Attorney's Office with what they did with uh, the District of New Jersey. And I think we'll start seeing some changes as far as the marketing goes and what's acceptable and whatnot. Um, but there's this whole, it's a dark web. And, and here's the other thing, John. They're all connected or interconnected. You know, why is it that all these online recovery marketers work for different treatment centers, but they're all buddies? So, out of 15,000 rehabs, I mean, can you safely say half of them are not rogue or 10% are not rogue? I mean, what are your thoughts? At this point, honestly, I think there's more dirty than good. I really do. And and what's really sad is that the big guys, the bad guys, are squashing the good guys. And so to me, in order for the good guys to really make some headway, we need to clean out the bad. Yeah, yeah, Tim, I, we know the audio is struggling. I guess you're referring to Carol's audio. We we had problems. I hope you hear me okay. Um but well hell, I hope they hear me okay too. <laughs> <laughs> Well, no, I, I mean, I already know I'm struggling hearing everything you're saying, Carol. So <laughs> it's you know, all good. Maybe, it's all good. maybe we could have one good audio on here. There, um, but you know, okay, so we got a screwed up treatment center industry, and the sad part about it might be is that when you go to treatment, treatment, there is no guarantee you're going to recover. You know, nope, and. You know, I, I like one of my buddies. I, I know I'm okay to shout out Rich Jones down in favor, South oh. Carolina. You know, I love we, might, we need to re, revisit our whole spectrum of care when it comes to addiction and substance yeah. use disorders. And there, there are a lot of venues for recovery, a lot of pathways out there. Treatment, it, when done properly, is a good start, okay? I'm a byproduct of treatment. I went in 1982, uh, meat and potato, Marine Corps rehab, Minnesota model, and I'm here 38 years later, you know, still clean, helping people, you know, trying to make the world a better place. So I know what decent nuts and bolts rehab should look like, but I also know what slimy shit looks like too. You know, I know what I know what Kenny came past the smell test. You know, I, I, I'm. I've been around this space for a while now, and uh, so what are your what if you had some solutions on how to clean some things up? Where would you start? Uh, I, I, people, well, first of all, as far as the online recovery community, I wish more people would step up and speak out. I understand the fear, and I respect that, but we do need more people speaking out, taking it a step further. Anybody that has any interest in improving this mess that we're in needs to get hold of their legislators and, and do what New Jersey did and create some new legislation that defines better than what we have right now as far as what marketing tactics are acceptable, ethical, and that kind of thing. Well, I think, I think they did pass a law recently about marketing and, and uh, trying to monopolize uh, social media, the marketing stuff. So I thought the marketing took a hit lately. I have no idea. I yeah. have no idea, but I, I'll say this, that since I've been doing this for four plus years, it's the same marketers are out there right now as there were four years ago. And what I have seen, and this is my my observation, is that there's one marketer in particular, and he has worked for three treatment centers that have been taken down, okay? And he worked for them and knew they were dirty, all right? Well, he's still out there. He's still... My belief is that what happens is they, the, the, the alphabet boys, if you will, FBI, CIA, DEA, et cetera, they look at these marketers as the bottom feeders. They're just pittance in the big sea, right? 
They're the tadpoles. And so they want to go after the big guys where the big money is and whatnot. And so that's what they do. And I get that. It makes sense. But I believe that these marketers are turning states' evidence and immunity, and then they just keep shuffling on down the road. Um, I, you know, it's beyond me that they... I have a problem in so much as law enforcement not doing something with the marketers because the bottom line is they are the gateway into the treatment center. Don't tell me that they're little peons at the bottom of the ladder and don't matter. They do matter. They do. Because they're the ones that are putting them in there. Out there preying on people, fishing for PPOs all day long with all their groups and websites and all that. Well, let me ask you a question. How, how are people supposed to find treatment that need to be in treatment, you know? If, if they're not finding it on their own, but they got people out there looking for folks to put in the rehab, how are they supposed to find it? Well, I have people that will reach out to me and ask, you know, and I never, ever refer anybody anywhere other than to SAMHSA because my personal belief is there's no such thing as vetting at a treatment center. You can have the best clinical staff. You can go there and visit, meet everybody, the CEO, the chef, the whole kit and caboodle, and they have degrees and they're licensed and, you know, it's looking all good. And then you throw in the pool and a little equine therapy and, hey, man, this is, this is the deal. But what you never see, and there's no way to see it, and that is what they're doing behind the scenes. They're not going to show you how they're billing their insurance. They're not going to show you how many drug screens they're doing a week and what they're charging for them or the lab that they're using. Do they have an interest in that lab? Do they own the lab? Are they getting kickbacks from the lab to send their labs there? They're charging for lab work that's not even necessary and isn't even done. You know, I went, I went to my, my uh, what do they call it, yeah, what the blood pressure doctor, a nephrologist the other day. And, they, and the first thing they asked me was for my insurance card and my ID card. And every time I go to my doctor, they send me to a lab to get lab work done. And when you got good insurance, they, they find a way to, to get you to every other little ancillary thing out there. And... And I do know insurance companies cut deals with like rehab, like they only pay for so much. And you know, I've heard a lot of these treatments and they don't make a lot of money from the insurance company because they, they beat them down so bad. So if they can pick up a little extra change on the on the lab side, you know, I think that's a common yeah. practice in the medical business. Yeah. I had someone send me a copy of uh, their bill for lab work and urine drug screens in particular. And just for the urine drug screens, it was $84,000. Yeah, I heard they stopped that though a couple of years ago. But if, they, if the insurance companies are still paying eighty grand for urine down in Florida, then they're idiots, you know? Well, it's still going on, John. And, and that's what I'm seeing happening down in Florida right now is the task force seems to be more after the doc doctors in the labs now than the treatment centers. They, yeah. You know, Legati, a great example of a doctor that was finally taken down after how many years? And that's the other thing. These investigations take a long time. They take years. It can be three, five years longer. And so that's part of why I do what I do well is that people need to be informed so that they don't get victimized. And I'm not going to sit around and wait until they try and arrest the whole country of dirty treatment centers. No, I'm going to try and get the word out there so that maybe one person, one, isn't victimized by these people. Yeah, I, I think, uh, I, I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm smart enough to know that, you know, any family that's in crisis, they love for their loved ones to go away so they can get a breather for 30 days, you know you know what I'm saying? The, um, yes. But, you know, addiction to chronic illness. So it's going to happen over and over and over for most people. You know, it's, it's rare that you find a person that's one and they're done. We call that the three percenter. The uh, what we, it's called like if you go to treatment one time, you stay clean and sober the rest of your life. You're in a three percent category. Ninety-seven yeah, percent of people going to relapse. 
And uh, most yeah. people relapse multiple times, multiple treatment episodes, especially the you know the first five ten years of a person's most acute state is the is the worst time. And a lot of people yeah. don't make it. They, they 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 don't make it through that period. The but my thing is there are a lot of sick people out there. They do need to get away, even if it's only for thirty days. And if we got a perception sweeping the you know, addiction already has a stigma attached to it. So this rogue treatment yeah. center industry, these body brokers, these dirty sober homes, you know, that that's add more stigma to the overall illness. Absolutely. You Absolutely. Know, so. They're actually, in my opinion, creating a stigma for recovery. You see these marketers that are online. Of course, I'm not going to mention any names, but those listening, they know who they are. They know who they are. They uh, are no example of recovery. I'll put it that way. First of all, one thing I see with every marketer that's online, without exception, is they've got a problem with ego. They've got a real problem. And they look like narcissists to me. Every last one of them. That's not recovery. I'll admit I'm an office, okay? My wife will back me up on this one, so... You know, but I'm, but I'm not a body broker. I'm not a headhunter. Yeah, uh, well, I don't work in the industry or anything to do with that. Yeah. Although so I was you, offered a job, I turned it down. Yeah, what are your thoughts on, uh, you ever heard of interventionists, people in the intervention business? Yeah, sure have. And from what I've seen as far as the, the uh, marketers that are online, they all seem to have certifications from a particular training place and the woman that operates this claims to be a doctor well she is not a doctor legally she couldn't be licensed anywhere she's not a phd you don't get a phd online for five hundred dollars but she puts doctor in front of her name so her training and these certifications where they pass them out saying you're nationally certified no, you're not. It's a worthless piece of paper. She's not accredited anywhere. And those are the certificates all these guys are flashing. So they can be on the ground using this little certificate with some family that has no idea. Oh, he's a certified interventionist. And he makes his buck or whatever and sends them to their treatment center. And the poor person has no idea that that thing's worthless. Yeah, I see my friend Michael, he, he pointed out that, yeah, I'm a narcissist, but I'm not a sociopath. I know I'm not a sociopath, but. Oh, there's some of that, too. <laughs> I said, but I definitely got some narcissism in there. The, um, oh, so yeah. If you could, sociopath. What, what, should the, what should the trajectory look like if you could wave a magic wand? You got people who need to get into treatment. What would it look like? engaging those people and getting them into an appropriate level of, of care treatment center well i you know rich jones is my hero i i think he is a true pioneer with what he's doing i think he's you know going to go down in history honestly with what he's doing and that's more boots on the ground kind of thing and ryan hampton is another one that's doing good work that way and Honestly, I think if we're going to have rehabs and treatment centers, then I think that we need to completely wipe the slate clean and reconfigure what that picture looks like that does it better than what we're doing right now. Because it's not really working too good. So Rich runs like an engagement center where people, families find him, they engage in him. Then he tries to get the participants engaged and you figure out where they need to go. And that's a lot. McShin does that. We got a, a huge engagement center. Yeah. So I like the engagement. More of that. Engagement is important. Uh, but, you know, so, it, and, and, you know, we have, I think all across America, we actually have tax funded uh, community service boards. But, I don't. I don't know if anybody in the state of Virginia and the community service board would even refer somebody to a treatment center. I don't know. 
I don't know what yeah. the problems are all that. But but now do you feel now can treatment centers do marketing and outreach? You know, like like I noticed uh, a lot of treatments that they do that. You'll see them with either TV commercials, social media. You'll see a billboard. They go around. They talk to PTA, oh, yeah. talk to churches. I mean, is that is all that okay? Depends on who's doing it. Well, well, the facility, the treatment center, they're doing it, not a third party marketing company. Well. Even if they're a marketer for that treatment center, it kind of throws up a red flag for me. Uh, as I say, I don't know how we can vet them out. I really don't. And, you know, that's a problem. I, you know, as I say, I won't refer anybody anywhere for that reason. Um, I don't, you know, I don't necessarily have answers to, you know, what's going to change this. I just know from my perspective and the work that I'm doing is to try and bring awareness to what is going on in the rogue industry, and with the, and in particular, these online marketers. Uh, you know, that's my mission. Um, people said, oh, why don't you start doing something positive? You know, why don't you start, you know, showing some good treatment centers? Well, I can't. I, I, there's no way I possibly could do that. So my focus is really, you know, I have a mission statement, and that's to bring awareness and education to the online recovery community regarding the rogue treatment center industry and their unscrupulous marketers with the hope that one less person will be victimized. That's it. You know, the, um, I raised hell a lot about bureaucrats and politicians, but over the years I've, I've had to come to the realization that if I'm going to complain, I at least got to present them with solutions. You know, so if I don't like the way they're doing a jail or a prison, I, I at least got to be able to tell them a better way to do it. And I'm really good at giving you some options and some solutions, you know, but they don't ever yeah. listen to me, it seems like. But I, but like, I, I do think treatment centers are perfectly okay to have people that work for a treatment center that are treatment center reps that are out in the community, you know, pretty much informing everybody about who they are, what they do, what the costs are, what to expect, this is what it looks like, you know, outreach workers, you know, all businesses. It just that's just business. This is America. You gotta have that stuff. You know, I, yes. I don't like some of the crap that has taken place in some of the states where there's money and people relapsing and getting them back into you know treatment centers that they do that shuffle you talked about, you know. People will zero in on that. They'll target the shuffle, and it, and they do turn dollars that way. That's disgusting to me. The um, yeah, but, but there's nothing they're doing. Sorry, go ahead, John. I'm sorry. I was just gonna say I know a lot of really good treatment centers, and they got good outreach workers, and they, and they really they're honorable people trying to really help people and solve issues for families. They don't they don't promise a cure or any of that. You know they. You know, the good ones will tell you, look, this is just the first step in a long life of, you know, probably struggles with this illness. So, but as you were going to say another thing. I'm sorry, I didn't hear the last part of what you said. Well, you were, you were going to say something else. You wanted to add something. What I was going to say, too, is that it, it it's not all just illegal things that they're doing but highly unethical. And I also had take issue with that because in that not being ethical, they're not being honest. They're not being transparent. Where's integrity? You know, this is, this is what really got to me in the beginning was like, I took my own recovery so seriously and I thought, Oh, how cool, you know, this, this page. And then I came to see what was going on and it's heartbreaking. And you have these gurus out there doing these live feeds that are leading people astray. They're like gurus, you know. They're like cult leaders with these hundreds of thousands of followers. And these people aren't well themselves. And yet they have this huge following of people that are hanging on every word they have. Almost sounds like evangelicals, you know. They... 
Oh, there's one. <laughs> one for sure. Yeah. I like one one fellow on here. Said, yeah. Mike Mike Todd said that you know treatment should be uh local. You know, treatment and recovery should be local. You know, yes. I, I do agree. It's good to have local recovery and treatment. That's a good thing. But, you know, there again, they, you know, a lot of folks do want to go away as well. So there is a good reason to go away to treatment and recovery, too. So I think both well, are. What seems to be the current climate with that is there was that, you know, belief that if someone goes out of state, that way they get out of their environment so they're not around their, their friends with the drugs and, you know, all that kind of thing, right? But now what seems to be more of the climate is to stay in your own state, stay somewhere near to where you normally live so that your family and loved ones can keep a check on what's going on. Because a lot of folks with SUD that wind up in a treatment center, they're calling home, they're telling their parents what's going on and all the things that they're going through. And, oh, because they're, you know, substance users they're not to be believed and then the treatment centers will block them from having communication with their families and that that's a common occurrence i've heard that story way too many times so i think that there's a little bit maybe of a trend coming where stick in your your own state don't go traveling off to other states because that's where the danger seems to come in that's part of where it comes in but well no i know a lot of citizens complained in florida because all these people came into their state now they didn't they didn't mind making all that money and all those tax dollars coming to the state but the minute those people started relapsing creating problems they wanted to get them out of the state all of a sudden they had a problem yeah but what, what can you yes. expect from yeah. a state that uh they also invented the the pain clinic in america too you know so a lot of a lot of Twisted thinking down in Florida, if you ask me. Yeah, and if the if the the marketer is a broker and, for example, buys them a plane ticket, right? It's a one way ticket, so they get to Florida. Well, somehow they got high somehow while they were in treatment, and they'll kick them to the curb. They'll kick them out, and now they have no way to get home. So, what do you think that? person's going to do that just got kicked out of treatment and can't get home and he's on the streets well i i thought they actually cut way back on that kind of stuff anyway i didn't realize that was still taking place like it used to but i'm fairly naive well yeah i i was working with a documentarian this last year and um he did a lot of work down in florida other places as well but he said it, it, it's as bad as it's ever been. And he was right there on the streets, you know, talking with the, the substance users and uh, the mental health folks. And, uh, yeah, he said it's, it's just as bad as it's ever been. And I have another friend, close friend, that lives down there, and she keeps tabs for me as well. She's pretty knowledgeable about the industry. So, yeah, I'm not, I'm not so – I think the media, you know, and maybe the Sober Home Task Force wants us to think that they're getting it all – cleaned up and yes they've done an incredible job they're doing more than any other state is you know i, but, I see I, I see a body broker and his human trafficking and, and it is but what yeah. i often wonder what about the criminal justice system the industrial prison complex i mean that the court system they they're they're body brokering too putting these guys in jails and prisons because they got mental illnesses. They don't a lot of those people don't belong in jail or prison. Yeah. So it's okay for the yeah. policymakers yeah. to do body brokering, but you know, God forbid free enterprise do body brokering. Mm -hmm. You know, because I I yeah. I, 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 that. I mean it's like so good Lord, so the poor the poor addict. He's screwed no matter what. You know, they, they either want him in jail or prison. They want his organs at the UNO donors, or, or they want him in treatment. And mom and dad don't want him because he's a pain in the ass. I mean, these poor kids. I mean, what do yeah, we do? Yeah, that's true. That's why we're in the mess we're in. Yeah, well, I would. We've got a lot of corruption in this country. 
Yeah, I, I don't like road treatment, as you put it, or body broken, as you put it, but I'd rather these kids go to rehab, go to sober living, and go to jail, or go to prison, or, or die, and there's still going to be an X amount of people going to die, no matter what all of us do. People are going to die from addiction. No matter what we do, a lot of people will relapse. But, you know, it's almost like, you know, Democrat or Republican, what's, what's, what's eviler or better or whatever? You know, you want them in jail or prison, you want them in, in road treatment center or, or sober living, you know? I, you know, that's a good question. Yeah, it is. You it know, is. We got a long way to go. You're damn right. I mean, this one thing for sure, this shit ain't going nowhere overnight, and we do got a long way to go. <laughs> right. And, and I'm and I'm I'm one of those people. I'm I'm a good critic, but I listen to criticism too. You know, that's one reason I think I get so refined because you you listen. You know, you, you live and you learn and you move on and you move up. But I, and I I actually thought that the, the treatment center business was getting better. I, not getting more effective, not necessarily getting cheaper, but it's just the slimy behavior you speak of. It's worse, John. It's actually it worse. It's getting worse. Not getting well, I'm sorry to hear that because that's going to give the uh, criminal justice boys more calls to lock up more people, and then if the, if the addicts are going to be the ones going to suffer the most in that regard, no. Yeah, no, I know. And and the truth is, the hardest thing about the work that I do is it's heartbreaking when I see on these different marketers' pages and they're doing these lives and whatnot, and they have, you know, one has almost a half mil followers. You know, they have hundreds of followers. And I sit there and I watch those videos and, you know, listen. And I use a lot of my background, my professional background, working in psychiatry, uh, you know, to observe and assess these guys. And it's it's horrifying. I just, my, it breaks my heart when I, I can't even look at the comments anymore on their pages. It's it, it just, it's heartbreaking when I see all these people that are buying into their garbage and being led astray simply because they don't know any better. I didn't know better four years ago. I didn't know jack shit about anything. You know, I just happened to have a lot of time on being retired. I, I love my old friend watching this show making comments. He said, yeah, John, you're minded like me, in one ear, out the other. I don't know. I like to think I'm pretty open-minded. I can retain some knowledge in there somewhere. So, so move, moving on, by, you know, people are going to watch this. People are going to get feeling, you know, those guys are killing. They suck. They're no good. You know, we shouldn't do some of this stuff, but we need to do this. You know, moving forward. You know, after today's conversation, you're saying you would like to see a bunch of these guys just go away overnight. The body brokers. You're you're saying the road treatment centers either need to clean up their act or get out of business. And you're telling the addict, the loved ones of these addicts. Uh, what, what do you tell those people? I'm, he broke up. What do I tell what? What do you tell the families of the the, the the loved ones, the family members? You know, they're trying to get help for their loved ones right away. They need help right away. You know, what do you, what do you tell them? I mean, they don't want to hear, you know, go home and work on it. They want, they want to hear where to go, what to do. Yeah, that's, I'm not that person. I'm just not that person. I don't know. Well, a lot of it, Honestly, I do know some interventionists. It takes a lot of courage to try to help a family guide that next right decision. So there is an industry out there for this. There is that person. You're not that person, but yeah. there is that person out there. Yeah. No, so, I understand. I hear you. I hear you. I, you know. <laughs> There's so many people that are just naive and not educated about this. So you got to start somewhere, you know, to know what, what's going on so you can be a little bit on the alert. For example, if you get on a treatment center's website and they don't list their staff, that's an immediate red flag. Then they might 
have a picture of them with their name underneath it, but it doesn't list any of their credentials. That's a red flag. You know, there's different things you can look out for that is a red flag that, you know, why aren't they telling you that? And, and this is something that's going on with the marketers now that's so unethical. They're not putting the name of the treatment center they work for on their websites or pages anymore. They don't say, do you know how hard it is to find out where they're sending people? Now that's bad when people go online and they get the old switcheroony there. Well, I like what you say about yeah. let these organizations list their staff, their personnel, you know, who they are, what their credentials are, what their credentials aren't. You know, we here at McFin, we tell all our people, I mean, we're not a clinical organization. We're a recovery organization. All of our people are in recovery with lived experience. That's all we got is lived experience. We don't have degrees. You know, we, we might have a state peer certification, but, but that's it. We got a, we have an addiction doctor around the corner, you know? Well, yeah. Yeah, well, let me say something about the marketers in a different from a different angle. My belief is that they were initially victimized themselves because the treatment center victimized them, and they know how to pick them. Generally speaking, someone you know, relatively young, attractive, but is fresh in recovery, and you know, all enthusiastic and just you know how that is in the beginning, where you're just you know, so excited about recovery and. And, and, you know, and they're probably a convicted felon, so they can't get a, a, a decent job other than maybe passing off some burgers. And so then they offer them 60K a year. And, you know, compared to working at McDonald's, that sounds pretty good, don't you think? And you're going to save lives and help people. And after a year, if you bring in enough clients, then you're looking at six figures. There's one marketer that's made $350,000 a year being a marketer. That's absurd. Absolutely absurd. And so I think initially they're, they're victims. But once they know what's going on, game's over as far as I'm concerned. And that's where integrity comes in. Because my integrity is, is really, really important to me. And if I was in a position working in a treatment center and come to find out that they're doing this kind of dirty shit, I'd like to believe I'd be out of there. Even if I was making a hundred K a year and I wound up on the curb with a can of peas, but they don't have that kind of integrity. These guys, they're not honest. They're really, I see them as the same guys they were when they were, as one of them likes to say, running and gunning for over 20 years on the streets, they're the same people. They've just gotten themselves dressed up in what they're calling recovery clothing, but they're still deceiving. They're still lying. They're still misguiding. They're still deceiving. They're still doing the exact same stuff they did when they were on the streets and they're good at it. So they're not, they're not they haven't had the spiritual awakening that that you've had or you wish they would have you know i i do be honest with you i do hear some some personal stuff playing out here a little bit but there's some still legitimate concerns you know what i, I would like to do Cheryl, sometime in the near future you you know you have a pretty good following it you know and your your lines roar i i would like to put together maybe a uh another format do an event where, where we can flush out maybe half a dozen people who can articulate you know in different uh, aspects maybe some of the wrongdoings but i'd like to flush out more solutions you know how can we correct it what needs to happen is that something you need to do? That. absolutely i'll take all the help i can get <laughs> yeah maybe, maybe, we'll organize, maybe we'll organize an online conference you know we'll talk about it yeah I, i've never seen yeah. I've never seen a conference like this before, you know, the rogue industry, our body brokers, but I'm big on solutions too. You know, I, I do like to blow shit up and be ready to build a new something, you know? So, yes, yeah. I would, I would be a hundred percent on board. Yeah. Yeah. I like to do that. And I see you, you got, you got some followers. It looks like, so maybe you could, uh, 
we'll get a little committee going and try to put something together real soon on this. Yeah, I'm, I I can't see the comments, and I'm glad that I can't. So <laughs> I didn't want that as any kind of distraction. I just wanted to be able to look at you and have a conversation. Well, I, I think the comments are fair enough. I mean, you know, obviously a couple people got some grudges against a couple people, but other than that, half of it seems legit. I mean, you know, some of the comments are like what I kind of said. What do we do with people? We got to help people. We can't let people die. We, you know, so. And, and, and this is America. I'm not opposed to business or people making a living either. I think it's important to make a living. I think it's important to make a good living. So I don't want to interfere with people making a good living. And we are a healthcare. We're in a healthcare section. And, and you look at the other healthcare around us, you know. So I think I think the, the, the treatment field is certainly entitled to all the the, the glory that you get in all the other healthcare industries, you know. So it, it's a, it's an odd it's an odd situation because when I got clean in '82, it was all about spirituality, spiritual awakening. Didn't matter how much money you had, as what you had, you could be in a rehab if you need to get in one. And here we are in 2020, and it does seem to be a lot about the money. You ain't going far without money unless you're in a charity of some kind. And then, like, we run a charity at McShim, but I, I can't run a charity on air. You know, I don't, I don't get re- I don't get insurance reimbursement, but but I'll certainly let most anybody donate to my charity so we can t- continue to do our work, you know? Yes, me, absolutely. Me and you had a side conversation about me taking donations from, from treatment center industry. Any, any treatment center in America can write me a check. I take it in a heartbeat, but that don't mean I got to send them anybody either for that check, so... Yeah, well, I, I suppose as a nonprofit, if 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 treatment centers are, are donating to your nonprofit, that's awesome. You know, they're backing you up. But I think then there comes in that line, and this is, you know, speaking of ethics, and that is if you were then in turn referring patients to the treatment centers that were making these donations to you. That's a little bit of a fine line, I think, uh, ethically speaking, you know, we don't. We out of McShin, for example, I doubt we have a, a referral a week to, to anybody. So we're not we're not like a we're not a gravy train for anybody. So, but but we, yeah. you know, I got no problem referring to people though, none at all. And, and then I've been around long enough to know if you if you're a kid, I would refer you to this treatment center. If you're an adolescent, I refer you to this person. If you're an older person, yeah. a wealthy person, I'll refer you to this person. If you're if you're your typical opiate addict under thirty, I'll send you to these people. So yeah, you know, we break it down pretty good like that. Well, we'll talk some more, not on the the website here or the podcast. Um, yeah, I need to educate you about a certain treatments and. Well, I want to do that. Yeah, I want to do an online conference. We'll get we'll get some people that you know seem to have on the pulse of the problem, and then we'll we'll get some people on there that may have some solutions. And uh, yeah, I, we'll put something together. This is a very interesting topic because because I don't want to stigmatize further addiction. I don't want to stigmatize treatment. I want to stigmatize all the good that comes out of all this. Yeah. I'm, here, I'm here because yeah. I want treatment. You're here because you want yeah. treatment. People need treatment. You know what I mean? So yeah. let's figure yeah. out. And, 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 yeah, and they're doing so much damage that they don't even realize they're doing. And, you know, a lot of them act like they're, you know, like this guru of recovery, you know, some hero of recovery. I can't imagine ever doing something on my page, you know, where I would go live telling people how to live in recovery no way i'm no hero of recovery i just make it you know i try really hard to live by spiritual principles and 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 i take that seriously you know my when i first came to this john it was a power far greater than myself i believe that led me to this because i didn't go looking for it and about a week or two after i started doing it it's a little strange, but it was like 
these four entities showed up one after the other and formed a half circle in front of me. And the first one was integrity. The second one was honesty. The third one was humility. And the last one was courage. And those four principles have been my guides and my protectors over the last four years. Um, so a lot of times people have, a, uh, uh, what do I want to say, a misconceived idea about who I am in real life. Uh, you know, people think that I'm, you know, bullying people and that I'm a hater and, you know, just a, a ugly person, you know, um, and I've been called every name in the book, you know, and their biggest defense is I'm crazy. Well, I have to be crazy. If I was, if I wasn't crazy, then that might mean I'm telling you the truth. Well, I think he's real important. Yeah, I think there's a little nut in all of us, to be honest with you. So here we are. We've, we've been talking just, you know, about an hour now. So I'm going to wind down this particular show. We, we will do another one. I promise you that. We're going to do something bigger. So, so something really bigger is going to come out of this conversation. So I think this is a really good, smart, first step conversation about this stuff. The... So closing and wrapping it up, what what what's your closing thoughts on today's session? Mm. Let's all keep being honest, open-minded, and willing to look at the truth. Well, that's well said. We're going to leave it at that. And, I, and I'm going to thank everybody for tuning in today. Carol, thank you so much for coming on. There's going to be more later, of course. Thank you, John. All right. There's going to be more later, gang. Stay tuned. God bless you. Have a good day.